This week on Retronauts, we're down with PSP. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Bob Mackey, for a brand new episode of Retro Knots. And today's uh, topic is the PlayStation Portable, which was never called that. We call it the PSP because it's way cooler. Uh, like I said, I'm your host, Bob Mackey. Who is here with me? Let's go this way. Okay. This way is Ray Barnold. And hi. Ray is making his triumphant return to Retronauts. Yeah, hi. Though you might have heard him on our Christmas special before. Probably. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Nevertheless, thank you for yes, having Yes, we're happy to have Ray back. And who else is here? I'm Jeremy Parrish. Apparently being a bad person about PSP or something. Being bad. Being bad. I don't know. You, you said it's all my fault. Oh, we're going to find out. Uh, and who else do we have? <laughs> uh, I'm Michael Raparez. I'm the worst person about PSP. Ooh, wow. Or PESP, as, uh, as they call it in the UK. Wow. <laughs> I figured the UK <laughs> would... they call it PISY. <laughs> I played it on me PISY. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> I think we just unlocked a new kind of profanity, sure. but uh, I, I apologize to anyone with a real British accent. That was just my okay. pro- approximation from watching too much Red Dwarf. I'm Bob Mackey, mm-hmm. by the way. We're going to talk about the PlayStation Portable. Uh, so I don't think I need to tell you what it is. I mean, uh, can it's right we, there in the name. Yeah, it's right there in the name, PlayStation Portable. It was sort of how, how I describe it is a, multimedia, a multimedia solution for a pre-smartphone world. Unfortunately, the smartphone would appear uh, about two or three years into the PlayStation Portable's lifestyle, sorry, lifespan, which would kind of defeat everything it was trying to do. Um, it and was also I, a I lifestyle. Th- Let's be fair. It was a lifestyle. I agree. <laughs> I thought the play-on was the uh, the multimedia solution for a pre-smartphone world. The play-on? Play-on. <laughs> yes. It was a uh, – it was a – it's the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance yeah. MP3 player basically. Yes. Oh, gross. But it also played videos. <laughs> right. So you could play like – I don't know, like 30 kilobytes of uh, video compressed. Right. Yeah, it was bad. The predecessor to the 3DS photo app. And Who the needs app? the App Store when you can pop in a cartridge and watch half an episode of SpongeBob on your Game Boy Advance? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. It's just like one hideous animated GIF, isn't it? But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about the PlayStation Portable. Uh, I just want to give some background information on it. Um, it was announced at E3 2003. Four. Oh, and it was announced at E3 2003, but it was okay. unveiled at a press conference in May of 2004. And I think that it was actually shown off at E3 2004. Is that correct? These, these, these are my notes that I'm pulling from. Well, I'm confused. It was, but... it was one of the E3s I went to. Okay. And I yeah. got to see that weird duck demo. Yeah, we'll talk about that. The duck demo, <laughs> yes. So I did want to talk about uh, what the portable landscape was like before the PSP launched. Uh, of course, we had the infamous N-Gage, uh, famous for side-talking. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, and the only system that you had to basically take apart to put a new cartridge in. It was just a, a, a misfire in every way, and I, and I assume it was also a phone at, at, at the same time, correct? Yeah. <laughs> I believe it's, it's our good friend Christian Nutt who originated the side talk. That's me. true. Yeah. I can see that decade-old picture of him right now in my I can head. Hear the, I can hear the MIDI of uh, side... Uh, <laughs> what, what song is it? It's the Bee Gees. Uh, sm- side talking, not side talking. I know the song. Uh, like, uh, jive talking, uh, jive talking, uh, that's it. Of course, it would have to be jive related. Uh, yeah, so, okay, so we have the N-Gage. We have things like the Neo Geo Pocket, which kind of fizzled out like a few years before this, which we had an episode so about. Uh, and at this point, the Game Boy Advance was uh, in the world, but the DS was on the verge of being created. And uh, The third pillar. The bum, third bum, pillar. Bum. We can't call it a Game Boy, although I still do. And uh, Sony, uh, in all of their hubris, uh, was referring to this as the Walkman 
of the 21st century. Uh, but yeah, g- uh, give me a break, guys. Like, I, I think uh, we're going to see this is the beginning of the PS2 hubris kind of like hobbling Sony for a little while. Um, going from the death of the PSP into the early bad start of the PS3, I think like a lot of bad decisions were made because we're Sony. We're going to own your mind share forever. But as we've seen, um, it kind of flip-flops back and forth every seven or eight years. So. I, I don't. I never really saw the PSP as a symbol of Sony's hubris. To me, it was a really a natural extension of their home electronics and gadget line, like stuff like Vio. Like they traded oh the Vio computer line. No, no, yeah, I know about it. I had one. Yeah, like it was okay. really expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Sony made like these beautiful portable electronic devices that were just so wonderful to look at and so wonderful to touch and cost so much money. Like Ibos. Exactly. Is that the ro- robot, Ibos? robot dog? Yeah, robot I mean, dog, the, the yeah. Metreon, the Metreon has changed a lot, but when I first moved to San Francisco in 2003 and, you know, for several years after, there was this huge Sony store presence in the Metreon. That was kind of what the Metreon mm, was yeah. originally. Uh, like the American version of the Sony Towers in uh, to- uh, Tokyo and, and Osaka. And it was just like basically an entire chunk of San Francisco real estate dedicated to showing you Sony exquisite hardware. And how, and how times have changed. Now you can go there and buy toilet paper in bulk yeah, from Target. <laughs> right on. But I mean, to me, the, the PSP was a natural extension of that. And it didn't it didn't really strike me as them saying, ha, 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 Nintendo is stupid and we're going to crush them. So much as them saying, like, we need to make a portable game system and it should be ref- a reflection of how we approach des- hardware design in all of our other areas. Yeah, I mean, whether it was a whether whether they were hubris- hubristic or not, I think it was just a natural <laughs> extension of them just dominating throughout the PlayStation One and PlayStation Two era. It's like, why not? Like, why aren't we dominating in the portable space as well? Nintendo is clearly on their way out. You know, Nintendo is never going to do anything interesting again. This is before the Wii. I believe. So, well, I believe Ken Kutaragi's uh, quote: "He, the king of PlayStation hubris, he said uh, <laughs> PSP was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen." Or wow. Something like that. <laughs> I knew God was real when I saw the PSP. He'd only, he'd only uh, you know, acquired sight several months before. Yes. <laughs> so I'm trying to set, the, set the, like what was happening in the world. Uh, we did not have smartphones really. Like I'm sure like the early version of the Sidekick was out where you could like boot up a web page sure. and it would look awful. But I think Blackberries existed. They did, but it was still like really primitive. Like I had a girlfriend who had a, one of those Sidekicks, and it was just like, wow, I posted to Live Journal from a card, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did it, but why? I don't know. But um, so, yeah, yeah. it's pretty much the GBA was ruling the roost, and you know maybe some weird Korean handheld that somebody loved because you could put a crappy emulator on it. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. As far as and, games, yeah, it was pretty much GBA. And this, um, I want to get into the launch dates and everything. So this this machine launched in uh, December of 04 for uh, in for the Japanese and um, in March of 05 for the United States. So we're a little bit over the 10-year mark uh, as far as when the system launched. And I want to know from you guys, uh, where were you when the, before the PSP launched and what was your – what were your thoughts about it? Were you excited? Were you waiting to see what Nintendo did next? Uh, Ray, uh, we'll start with you. Like yeah. where were you in, in PSP land? Well, my story begins at that E3 when they first unveiled it, except uh, this was 2004, I, th- I believe, <laughs> as I've tried to figure out here at the beginning of the show. And, uh, you know, there were there was no iPhone, and I didn't have a laptop, so you couldn't get on the internet basically in an easy way. I had to go to the media room at E3, basically, to find out anything happened. So... This entire time, and I couldn't go to the Sony press conference. I went to Nintendo's, but I wasn't at Sony. So I had to wait until the next day to find out in a car ride (laughs) where someone said, oh, yeah, they announced their own handheld yesterday. (laughs) 
to compete against Talk the about DS getting a message out. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, what the heck? So, you know, eventually later that day, I had to go to the media room and find a computer to get on the internet to finally look at some pictures of this thing. And, uh, yeah, that was – and it was – yeah – all, all that before streaming, before all this stuff. Like that's how I had to. A find carrier pigeon showed up, yeah. on your bedroom window and Jeez. just wrapped on the door. Yeah, so makes you makes you feel really old. It but, does. Uh, yeah, and uh, but then after that, you know, you go to E3, and then you have the big booth for Sony, and you can look at all the uh, the mock uh, box art and the discs that they had set up, and then maybe look at some videos of games that you couldn't play or play some games. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was really impressive at the time. I mean, I was looking at their uh, sizzle reel and saw stuff like Metal Gear Acid for the first time and uh, stuff like Doko Demo Isho oh, yeah. <laughs> and Ridge Racer. Those and guys. Things. So I was, you know, pretty much locked in at that, at that point. And, mm-hmm. um, were, yeah. were you at that – were you getting one at launch? Did you get one at launch? I got one at the U.S. launch, yes. Okay, got it, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and uh, that was also when, you know – any time a launch system came out, you had to get a bundle from GameStop or whatever with three games that you didn't want. <laughs> That's yeah, true. That was what was case. up with that? That happened with like the GameCube and the Xbox yeah. too. That you can only get it with the with if you buy it with three games. It's like these shady. No, do, do, do they even do this anymore? These like shady like bundles. Like if you come oh, to yeah, Target, yeah. you need to buy this and before we let you out of the store. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So yeah, I got. Uh, I believe the Spider-Man Two game. It, the system came with the movie, but you got the game with it. I think uh, Untold Legends. And uh, something else I, I didn't want. <laughs> but those immediately went traded in at a physical GameStop while I got uh, Ridge Racer and Luminez, which were the games everybody said I, I should be playing. Yeah. And they were <laughs> mostly the right, right? Yeah. And then, you know, I would I was I was at uh, community college for a brief period at this, at this time in my life. And then, you know, I would sort of just play it in class at downtime. And these, you know, these kids would be impressed. And one of them would say, like, man, are you rich or something? And it's like, no, I'm just – I'm an adult with who gets paid for things. Well, uh, the thing's not that expensive. It was only like $250, really. So, I mean, you could have done it if you had a normal job. You should have said my, my uncle works at Sony. Yeah. And so. don't tell anybody about this. So that was the beginnings of the PSP for me. And, uh, yeah. How about you, Michael? Where, where were you in, when PSP mania was taking off? Well, I, I remember my earliest memory of the PSP was uh, going to E3 and talking to my PR contact and saying – and she's like, what do you want to see? And I'm like – I want to see the PlayStation Pocket. And she's like, you mean portable? And I said, yes. <laughs> My name's better. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went over – well, there had already been a PlayStation Pocket and it was Japan only. But it was a Pocket was Station. station. Pocket yeah. station. Jeez. Oh, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Uh-huh. God, you just ruined our reputation with Retronauts listeners. I'm sorry. It's, it's all on me. I'm the one who doesn't know anything. It's okay. it's right. These guys are knowledgeable. <laughs> uh, but I, I saw the Duck demo and uh, I was – for some reason, very impressed, and I think I went and wrote a blog entry on my One Up blog uh, about how Nintendo has just released like the N sixty four, and this is like the PS two coming out right after. It would blow everyone's minds if that happened. That's what's happening in the handheld space right now. And I think I included like a cartoon of the PSP sexually assaulting a DS. Oh for wow! Some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was I was very very wrong about that because I think everything on on the PSP, beginning with the launch lineup, that kind of set the tone for it. It's like, I like everything. I don't love it. I, there's yeah. really not much to love on PSP. But, yeah, the launch lineup, I remember Metal Gear Acid. It's like, oh, it's a Metal Gear game that's turn-based and controlled with cards and not really what I was looking for. And I think I ended up playing a lot of Wipeout Pure 
So that was that right. Was the, uh, there weren't a lot of great launch the games. Jewel, that and Luminous were the jewel of the launch lineup. Yeah, but you know your attitude that first time was what everybody else was thinking. Mm-hmm. Like they for sure they thought, oh, this is a sure Maybe thing. Maybe without Nintendo's the thing. sexual assault cartoon. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, you know. Some gamers, maybe. It was the early 2000s. But yeah, yeah everybody not thought... all gamers, right? Everybody thought <laughs> it was going to dethrone Nintendo. Finally, this is it. For sure. Uh, so, Jeremy, how about you? Like, uh, what were your thoughts on the PSP as it was emerging from the, uh, from the East? So, I was a little excited because um, at that point I was at 1up.com. I've been there about a year, a little more than a year, and um, had sort of become the self-appointed guy who wrote about handheld games because no one else really wanted to. And I also wrote about a lot of handheld games for the Ziff Davis magazines because very few people wanted to, like Christian Nutt, and that was pretty much it. Um, so as the guy who was writing about portable games, I was like, man, this looks really good. <laughs> um, you know, I had uh, been to Japan for the first time three years before and uh, visited one of the Sony Towers, uh, the, the, the kind of showcase shops that I had mentioned, and was just like, everything is so beautiful. And when I saw the PSP, I was like, it's just like everything at the Sony Tower. It's so beautiful. Um, and that did concern me. I was like, it's going to get so scratched up. But, you know, it just looks re- looked really nice. I can see all the headlines. Head- like, uh, portable gaming grows up with the PSP. Like, I'm sure there uh, were that so was... Many of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I wasn't just like, it's going to change the world. Because it, it looked like a really good video game system. But, you know, I was also covering a lot of portable games. And there were a lot of good portable games that I was covering. Um, and I was a little sad because it did seem like Nintendo's portable lineup was kind of foundering and trying to find its way. And I like Nintendo's portable systems, and I really didn't want that to go away. And I was I was worried that, you know, this did mean the end of the road for Nintendo and, uh, you know, like what's going to happen to all these franchises and portable systems that I love? Are they going to die off? Um, so, so, yeah, it was kind of a mixed emotion for me. Um, like this is going to be a cool system. I'm going to enjoy the games on it, I hope. But also, I don't want it to kill off Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it did not kill off Nintendo. Um, and I've talked about this on you know the DS episode, but like after a couple of months with the DS, once I saw you know younger cousins playing it and interacting with it in a different way than anyone at work did, I realized, oh, like this system is going to do okay. If people find out about the system and it gets you know good word of mouth. Uh, it's going to appeal to a, a younger generation of gamers. Nintendo's going to be fine. So I wasn't convinced that the PSP was actually the end of the road for Nintendo. And so I was surrounded by a lot of people who were, and it was actually a little grating. Um, the, I can the imagine. Sort of, the sort of snobbery that, that existed in the, the games media about the PSP right. grated on my nerves. Um, and I, you know, whatever. But they still it's wouldn't review a, any games for it. Oh, yeah. No, that's the thing. Like, people were quick to proclaim how it was the end of, of the world, but or the, the end of everything and the, the, the time that portable, portable gaming would finally be taken seriously. But I ended up reviewing pretty much most of the PSP launch library because everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's a portable system. So, yeah. so uh, I don't know. I have, I have weird mixed feelings about the system. Uh, mm. You know, but I, I didn't go into it with a bias against it. I actually... Uh, Ryan Payton helped me import a, a, a Japanese PSP before the U.S. launch, like three months before. So I spent quite a bit of time with it before it came to the U.S. and enjoyed it. But, um, you know, it, it definitely was not the uh, the the 
the the foregone conclusion in my mind that it was for many other people. Yeah, and a lot a lot of people lost their goddamn minds when they first saw this thing, <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a second. I don't want to give my little PSP story because it's very little, and I guess it's somewhat interesting. Um, I, I had less than zero interest in this thing until uh, Metal Gear Solid um, Peace Walker came out, and I was like, I didn't have a great job at the time, and I had just moved. And I'm like, uh, I want to play this, but I'm not going to buy a new system. And then uh, Justin Haywald of 1UP was like, hey, do you want to review Peace Walker? And I was like, <laughs> I don't have a PSP. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just buy one. They're only like 100 bucks. So I buy a PSP. It's shipped to me. Then I then I check my email a few days later. Oh, uh, actually, Jeremy Parrish is going to review this. And I was like, <laughs> I just bought a PSP. I, I, I literally spent $100 to do this review. and But he, then he gave me like a $300 review for like APB or whatever, if you can remember that game. So I do remember that. It's Jeremy's fault that I know about the PSP. No, but actually I wouldn't have got a PSP unless I had that review potentially. And after I got it, I, I managed to catch up with everything and I did like it. But it wasn't until 2010, like seriously after the PSP was dead, that I actually got mine. And it's all yeah. because Jeremy hogged that review. <laughs> Uh, to be I, clear, he's shaking his head. <laughs> I don't remember saying like, "Give me this damn review." I remember. <laughs> I imagine like a lot of tables saying, being will flipped. You do this? Will you do this review? I imagine it's, it's a lack of organization that happens at any website. Really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone didn't update their Google Doc. <laughs> I did want to talk about um, the the general like uh, effusive reactions to the PSP because uh, I did a lot of research last night just reading contemporary uh, not contemporary but review not reviews even just reactions to this thing as it was being unveiled and there was just a lot of fawning and I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus because all these people could probably buy and sell me because they wrote about games ten years ago which means they're all millionaires now but uh, <laughs> wait what <laughs> yes exactly but uh, and I'm gonna say hindsight is 2020 so it's like I can make fun of your opinion being wrong like ten years later but it's not your fault. But I did want to talk about uh, what our buddy John Davison, who I've never met, uh, had to say about the PSP. Right. If, you, if you don't know who John Davison was, he ran every website for about 10 years. Uh, if you've been to a website, he probably ran it. He was my boss for a yeah. long time. So he says, um, and this was posted around the time of the unveiling, um, he says, the PSP really nails it. And if you look at the way things are moving in all of pop culture and technology, it's in exactly the right place at exactly the right time to be the most important development in video games for a very long time. Screw the movies and the music. The PSP is a kick-ass games machine and already looks like it will be as significant culturally as the iPod. Imagine the aching hipness of Apple's baby with the gaming ubiquity of the Game Boy at a price that anyone can tolerate, and you have a recipe for something that could be more important than the PS1, PS2, and PS3 put together. So that was an opinion in a pre-iPhone world, I think. Like... Mm -hmm. What, what, what do you guys think of this general? I mean, this he is not alone in being this excited about the PSP. Like, I no. feel like this was the most common uh, response to just seeing this thing. Like, mm -hmm. you did not have a thing in, that you can carry around with you that easily. I did. Were, were iPods even playing videos by two thousand four? There might have been a video iPod. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine it being that great. But um, so. no, the video the iPod was not playing video yeah. at that point. But uh, like, what do you guys think of a response like this? I, I, I do kind of find it funny with screw the movies and the music because the movies at the time were like, 
Uh, get the pilot episode of Lost for twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, like or one half of Family Guy season one. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was it was a bad a bad uh, uh, format. The, the UMDs. I, yeah, I'm I proud to say into that I only bought one UMD movie, and that was Cowboy Bebop the movie. Okay. Oh, so. wow. See, mine, mine came with Kung Fu Hustle and I think Spider-Man 2. Right. Maybe I got Kung Fu Hustle through. Was that and Spider-Man 2 was the only ones yeah. I had. Yeah, for... yeah. Well, <laughs> I never mean, watched it. Yeah. <laughs> we are skipping around. I do want to talk about UMDs and the UMD movie format, which is the worst possible movie format ever. But, 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 yes. but about uh, that reaction, like oh, yeah. I, it sort of was history repeating itself because I think a lot of people back when you know the Game Gear and Lynx came out were like, oh, this is easily going to kick the Game Boy's ass because, oh, it has a light on it and it's color and that's sort of thing. And I think, although many, many people probably wouldn't admit it, I think a lot of people were just a bit too taken of, taken by the PSP's graphic capabilities. I think and so. Yeah, oh, this is obvious. But then, then you get into the limitations of trying to control uh, yeah. 3D games with just one analog stick. And, and not then, even a good analog stick, an yeah, analog no. Yeah. Right. But then I mean, that thing broke off What, what so we had people. to compare it with was like uh, the DS. I think the DS was out at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and It was announced at the same time, yeah. 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 But I, I still remember uh, Mario 64 DS <laughs> playing it with that terrible little plastic nub that they included <laughs> yeah. in the wrist strap. You mean the thumb slider? Yes. Yeah. Which yes. they soon discontinued when they were oh, like, right. no one's uh, actually using this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the DS had a, had a pretty uh, rough launch, although it did include a port of one of the best games ever. But still, uh, the PSP did not have a good launch either. Um, they, they, oh, like no. Luminous is probably the standout title. I've never played it. People seem to really like it. So there you go. Uh, a few of the other ones, I was like, what are the best uh, PSP launch games in the U.S.? So I have the Dark Star- Dark Stalkers Chronicle. Uh, apparently that was a good fighting game. I've never played it, it or it seen was, it. It was, it was like the best Dark Stalkers compilation yeah. at the time. Yeah. And uh, Metal Gear Acid, which I think I, the second I, game is a lot better than the first yeah, game. Yeah, but I still, don't hate, I still didn't hate the first one. Yeah. I thought it was all right. I'm I think, sure it wasn't a real Metal Gear, but it's like, oh, it's a fun little tactical game. I mean, it makes sense uh, ostensibly as a portable game. But it was it was um, really sold on the strength of w- the potential, really, yeah. I think. Yeah, and like, again, yeah, people would look at the graphics and say, oh, this is like going to be like a real Metal Gear game, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think what really sold people on this was not just the technology powering it, but the, the screen itself, because I feel like a real non-crappy screen was actually a huge deal in 2004 because the Game Boy Advance SP came out in 2003 and that was a sidelit screen and I remember just being astounded I worked at a GameStop uh, at the time and the Nintendo rep came in showing it off before it went on sale and I remember taking it in the bathroom I, was, I wasn't using the bathroom I just wanted to go to a dark room hey, to see cool. <laughs> no judgments <laughs> I always put it in the tub uh, no I'm just kidding um, I, I went in the bathroom and I turned it on and I was just like okay gaming I can now just game everywhere this this is like changed my life but that wasn't a great lit screen this was an amazingly nice screen I mean now if you look at it you're just like whatever but back in 2004 I think it was amazing like just like the resolution, how how nice the screen looked, even if it was a little ghosty sometimes in the first model. For yeah. the time, the viewing angle was really killer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely better than anything that had come before, but it still like it graded on me because of the, of the ghosting. I really wanted yeah. to play, you know, like two D shooters and stuff like that. It the ru- the yeah. Gradius collection, yeah, was, it ruins Gradius. Was almost unplayable <laughs> yeah. because of all the ghosting. I was like, what the hell is shooting me? I can't see it. <laughs> I never experienced these these problems with the early models because I I got the much much later one. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean by the the three thousand it was really good. Yeah, but mine still uh, shipped with one dead pixel, which you cannot return a system for one dead pixel anymore. Oh, so. yeah, it's uh, it's part of the charm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a beauty mark. Now I can just that's all I can <laughs> see whenever I turn that thing on. But yeah, some of the um, some of the problems were the ghosting, uh, the 
poor battery life. I remember, uh, I'm not sure if, who from Sony said it, but they were like, oh, you're not actually supposed to leave the house with this thing. Like, it just, <laughs> it's like the Lynx. Yeah. I think that was another mm, misinterpreted Kudaragi. Okay. Or something. Yeah. yeah. I just remember a like, lot of. You're, you're, you're only supposed to take it to your second job that you have to buy a PS3. Right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, another of the problems was the very early models, the UMD drive was arranged in such a way that if you put enough torque on yes. the system, <laughs> the UMD drive would pop open and shoot out the UMD. Yeah. I think that's because the PSP was made from old Ninja Turtles pizza shooter technology. Yes. Like Could they be. just they just re, re, uh, retrofitted like Ninja Turtle pizza vans and hmm. that's how the UMDs <laughs> were created, not yeah. really. Yeah. Well, funny funny story since you mentioned that. Uh, remember when at Games Radar I wrote a big thing about like ridiculous game industry cliches and one of them was like snap the controller in half frustration I was like come on nobody does this and uh, the company's art director Chris Imlay just emailed me a photo and he's like oh yeah and the photo was of his PSP which he had just cracked completely oh in God. half because <laughs> yeah. he'd gotten so upset at it <laughs> I have said like uh, I, I've said that like the, the PSP feels like something you want out of a crane machine, and UMDs feel like something you want in a cereal box. Like it is like for as high tech as it was, it never felt solid. Like um, well, you never you never played with the first edition one. Though. Was it much more solid than the later ones? I think it was. Okay. It, it was denser. Um, yeah. It had a heavy sort of metallic feel. Right. Yeah, the later ones felt lighter and more plasticky. Mm, I see. Um, it was kind of like, oh, never mind. It's in a comparison that's too old for you. <laughs> what, 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 what is it? Atrax? Right. I, I was going to say, no. I was, <laughs> okay, thanks, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say like early Transformer toys versus the later okay, ones. Okay, yeah, of course. Ah, back with diecast. Yes, exactly. You're exactly. right. No, actually, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but, I understand that. Yeah. Sure. But uh, some other problems with early PSPs were um, the loading times for the most part. Like I remember what really turned me off from the PSP was I went to a GameStop and I tried it. And like, okay, start this this wrestling game, whatever. It's like... Well, there was the NBA game that had like 30 mm. seconds of loading yeah. time. Oh, um, I'm, I, I would just say the UMD drive in general was a right. huge mistake. Oh, and yeah. I, I, people got really mad at me for saying that, but, like, it's just logic. I, yeah. a, a moving, like, okay, one, uh, a UMD drive is optical, which means it has moving parts, which makes it more fragile, and you need a portable system to be durable. Uh, it has moving parts, which means it sucks more energy. It has moving parts, which means it has load times and read times. It, like, it, I, I get why Sony did it, because they were in love with their idea of proprietary formats. But that thing was proprietary formatted to death. It, it was, was really it really was. <laughs> and and they there were some weird limitations that hampered some games. Like uh, for some reason, uh, to to save on battery life, you couldn't always be accessing the uh, the UMD. So games like Final Fantasy Tactics have a lot of loading times that people have hacked out with emulated versions. So it's like you don't need to do this anymore because you're not actually playing on a PSP or maybe you can actually just download the hacked ISO and put it on your right. PSP. I don't know how you can do it, but there were limitations put in there to save on battery life. And I believe the thing was like underclocked or something like that. For a while, yeah. Yeah, it was like 222 was, megahertz. Yeah, and then later games like God of War, I guess, uh, unlocked that extra power. And so... Yeah, but uh, I, th- I imagine a, a lot of that was for the sake of battery life, right? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I, yeah. But yeah, UMD was not just a game format. UMDs were also the home of uh, movies that were too expensive. In in the age when I think like uh, physical media was in its in its first set I of just, death throws. Can you, yeah, can you like imagine trying to get the movie industry to sign up for that format? Oh my god! <laughs> I have to say, like, whenever I go to a retro gaming convention, the most uh, universally most unloved, unwanted, and cheap uh, item there are UMD movies. Like, they should have shipped these directly to the landfill. And a lot of them, if you think of when this came out, like there are 
so many Rob Schneider movies on UMD, yeah, which I think yeah. is the best format for a Rob Schneider movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, the animal. Yeah. And like, again, DVDs were a good uh, a good idea because um, – but. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, the UMB movie selection and TV stuff, whatever, is uh, so laser-focused on on the PSP demographic. It's right, like, right. you know exactly who they're trying to sell this thing to. And, and people— And, by the way, cheap UMD uh, movies make uh, good uh, replacement cases. Oh, cool. That's good. So stock, stock up on the animal and uh, the hot chick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's history behind the UMD. It was basically an, an adaptation of the minidisc format. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. it was part of this weird compulsion that Sony had for the longest time to try to promote their own proprietary formats and make them standards, which never worked. There were, you know, uh, Betamax back in the day. Uh, there were mini discs, uh, memory sticks. Uh, what am I forgetting? Um, Vio in general, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Uh, no, um, yeah. there's some other media format that's, that's uh, blanking. They on continued it into the Vita era too with those ridiculous memory cards that are yeah. so ex- still so yep, expensive, still so expensive to expensive. buy. Yeah, and, and super proprietary because at least a memory stick for the PSP could be used on a camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not so with the Vita, Vita memory card. The thing about the uh, the UMD movies though, I feel like um, people were buying DVDs at, at this point for like things like special features and commentary, but these were just bare bones releases. Like right. all you got was the movie or the TV show you were mm-hmm. I've never I've never watched a movie in UMD format I assume some people in this room have how is that I have my two uh, is it even it can't be HD because the screen does not have the amount of pixels it would need to be HD no I haven't even gone back because I like you know watched it when it came out but uh, well, doesn't isn't the resolution on the PSP something like 480p so no, it's like it's 480 by 272 isn't mm. it Okay. I didn't get this, yeah. the it's exact resolution. Okay, and two seventy two. Uh, so it's not. It doesn't have much more vertical resolution than like a Sega Genesis. Wow. Yeah. So you know, fairly, fairly uh, aliased. I think those movies were. But uh, I think the you know the selling point was well here. You know, it's a tiny screen. You're going to be fairly far away from it. Holding it at arm length, probably. So, why not? Yeah, and I'm Use not sure. Imagination. I'm not sure exactly when um, the iTunes Music Store started selling non-music content. I have a feeling it was much later than the PSP's launch because of just how you would play this stuff. But um, yeah, so I did want to talk about uh, some of the other things related to the PSP's launch. Apparently. Um, Sony, uh, due to the PSP's launch, they they sued the uh, the, the the online importer distributor Lick Sang or Leak Sang. Yeah, Does anyone say. remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Apparently, they were sued for distributing the PSP to regions before it launched in those regions, which feels weird to me. Um, like that would be an illegal thing to do. But oh, man, I'm glad they didn't go after Ryan Payton. <laughs> yeah. But I guess they were they were selling mod chips. Um, for the uh, for other devices, so it was probably only a matter of time before they were shut down by somebody. But they were just shut down for a stupid reason instead of a legitimate yeah, one. Yeah, I forget the entire details of that story. Well, yeah, you bringing that up reminds me of what I actually used my PSP for at first. Like, yeah, these these UMD games are okay and all, but what I really like about it is that I can use it as a handheld emulator. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and that was huge. I remember um, that was right away too. It didn't. They didn't waste any time getting emulators on that. Thing. Yeah, that's part of the whole piracy issue. But like the firmware was cracked immediately and Sony could not keep up with updates like it would immediately be figured out and there were exploits in games like Grand Theft Auto uh, Chinatown Wars I believe or one of those that there was an exploit in the game you could use to like break open the heart of the firmware or something like that it was just like some (laughs) some insane trick that if you just had a copy of the game it didn't matter how many times Sony upgraded it because there was an exploit I don't know how that works but it did now the best story about PSP emulation is uh, Chris Kohler taking his PSP to E3 and showing Super Mario Brothers running on it to Shigeru Miyamoto and being like, "Hey, do you know about this?" Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's unusually brazen, but yeah, 
Uh, I think it was kind of a, a shock to uh, to Nintendo. <laughs> he was not yeah. locked in like Yamauchi's dungeon. <laughs> yeah, not, not that we're aware of. Beaten for answers. I mean, there's so much to talk about with the PSP. I did want to talk about the PSP Go as well, which felt yeah. like a, a really yeah. smart decision, a really smart idea that did not play out practically because I believe Japanese publishers, they're, they're reluctant today, but they were even more reluctant in 2009 to make things available digitally. And things like uh, mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, which, one of the, which is one of the biggest games for the PSP, is still not available digitally. And like a lot of things Crisis like Core. Crisis Core, mm-hmm. the, um, the Metal Gear profile. games. Yeah, there's so much you can't buy digitally because of this uh, reluctance. I don't know what it is. It's like, will this devalue our games but or will this even cost money to even try? But yeah, because so, so few people were on board or so few publishers were on board, the PSP Go was immediately hamstrung by just all of this mm-hmm. uh, things that were going against what it was trying to do. Yeah, and another problem is that Sony really didn't commit to it. They no, created they this really great version of the PSP. Like the Go is so – it's so good. It's so compact. And the way it folds out is really, really nice. Um but the thing is, they didn't have any kind of like transfer program in place. So if you had bought, you know, UMD games, it would you didn't have any way to play those on a go. So if you had made a serious investment in the PSP platform, you had to buy all of your games over again, which really, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't very enticing to me. I, I would have loved to have had a PSP Go, but I never bought one because I had so many UMD games and I didn't feel like buying them all over again. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I almost got the PSP Go when I had to buy one uh, for that review, but uh, then I was like, well, I've heard about all the problems, so I don't want it. I want just the regular one, even if the UMD format's bad. Right, sorry. I bought a PSP Go and then also bought a bunch of games digitally, ones I did not own before. But uh, yeah, and then now those have become like my PSP library on my uh, PlayStation TV. <laughs> a lot of those have. Can, now I can play those in, in full screen on the TV, so that's pretty cool. But uh, nice. I wasn't... In, I, I liked the idea of the PSP Go at first, and I was into it, but I could not get past the nub placement. Ooh, what was it wrong was with that? that? It was just it was down below the D-pad this time, like, uh, you know, uh, to the... <laughs> Right, down, oh, yeah. down, down on the right side of the D-pad. That thing was really neat, but really problematic, and it felt like one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways, like yeah, the the slide down uh, control yeah. deck was pretty cool, but yeah, the the thumbstick placement was bad. The screen was smaller. It was also, I think, too thin to really be comfortable. Like the 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 second and third model PSPs were just thin enough to still be, you know, to fit your hand well enough and feel like it's there. But I think the <laughs> The PSP Go just felt too much like a wafer yeah. in my hands, even, and so I never held one, but it did look a lot yeah. uh, lighter. I did. I did put a lot of use into it for a while. I was commuting with it for a long time, and you know, I was playing stuff on there. Uh, but yeah, I could not could not stick with it too long. And then I ended up getting other UMD games that were not being released digitally, and so I had to stick with the old PSP regardless. <laughs> 
We were talking about like nub placement and <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like one of the biggest problems with the PSP and its original design that continued was like just the lack of buttons. I, I feel like even taking out that L2 and R2, which they should have never done with the Vita, the back the back touchscreen was a mistake. But uh, things like um, things like the lack of a second analog stick and lack of an, uh, another L2 and R2 really made playing some games like an exercise in destroying your tendons, like yes. Monster Hunter. People talk about playing Monster Hunter with like your raptor claws because you have to like touch all these buttons at once in a weird way. And uh, like I don't know if how many how many people were like paralyzed in Japan because of that. <laughs> I don't know, but when you make that like Monster Hunter gesture, my grandmother had rheumatoid arthritis. Oh my god, and her hands looked like that. She yeah. could have been an awesome uh, Monster why Hunter. Why would you do that voluntarily to yourself? <laughs> I, I totally agree. I mean, and I and I played. Um, Metal Gear uh, uh, Peace Walker uh, having to like contort my hand so I was yeah. so happy when that when that came up but I did think like it just seemed weird that they like oh this is just going to be like a PlayStation 2 in your hand but like no second analog stick and second analog stick is so instrumental to a good 3D game I think like it is so important and the fact that it wasn't part of the system yeah. it took people years to come up with even though the, a good way of putting the like third per, third third person camera controls on the face buttons right. of the system. Yeah, siphon filter. One of the siphon filter games did it, and then Metal Gear Peace, Peace Walker, Walker was it. pretty good with it. Yeah, yeah. You, but, I mean, you used but the, that was, Peace Walker was like six years after the system shipped. Yeah, it's but yeah. still, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was so dead. I mean, as like, opposed to portable ops. Which was nightmarish to control. <laughs> Based on, I, I liked Portal. I, I I fought my way through that game, but I, I did like it. But it was a struggle. I, yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you, Ray. Um, like based on all accounts, based on all the research I've done, like the PSP uh, essentially died around 2007. Like it was just on life support after that. And it's funny to think that uh, games are still coming out. Jeremy's uh, raising an objection. In America, that's in true. America. Oh yeah, in America. In Japan. Oh for sure. That Japan, system had legs. That's right, and that's why and it, it sold. Knew how to use them. It sold 83 million right. units. So it essentially only had maybe three years of relevance in America. And, it, I mean, the DS, we'll talk about what the DS did to to knock it out of the park. But um, a lot of it was, oh, guess what else came out in 2007? The iPhone. And it's like, why do I need this device that does all this other stuff when I have a phone that can do maybe not so many great games in 2007, but still yeah, a iPhone lot of the functionality. Yeah, actually have apps until the end of 2008. Yeah. And so you didn't really see games begin to appear until early 2009. Right, yeah. And what games? did appear weren't super great but still it was a much more impressive device that was capable of playing media like that yeah. skateboarding dog it was sold on the skateboarding dog commercial like <laughs> now you can watch the skateboarding dog wherever you go yeah if only Sony had done that yeah <laughs> man that dog must be a millionaire by now uh, or dead but yeah, uh, I think ahead. the part of that was you know the PSP was again like I said so laser focused on basically uh, boys teenage boys essentially and like those kids at my community college, was probably way out of their <laughs> league, mm-hmm. too rich for them, too rich for their blood, basically. So the DS, which only, you know, you know, in, in larger scope is not that much cheaper than the PSP was. It was to perhaps a parent and, uh, you know, I'm sure that, that helped the DS as well as long as the Wasn't software. Wasn't DS $100 cheaper than PSP? Yeah, but that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty too. significant. That's Like I said, yeah, uh, to a, a parent, huge it, chunk of its actual cost. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, like, you know, how I could never get a Turbo Express as a kid. <laughs> that was expensive. <laughs> that was, that was uh, $300. Well, there's a weird video that's probably you can still find it on the web somewhere. Of me and Christian Nutt, like the day after we came back from Tokyo Game Show in 2007, and it's it's hard for me to watch because we're sitting there in shorts and t-shirts, <laughs> sort of swinging back and forth in our chairs. But he's talking about that there was a developer he was talking about. And he's like, "Yeah, we're all looking forward to the next big thing now that the place the the PSP is dead." Uh, and like this is this is in Japan, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
I remember it got spread around. Like I wouldn't say it went viral, but it showed up on other sites and people just zeroed in on that one comment. And I remember one commenter in particular was like, how dare these guys go trash something that's meant for teenagers? What are they, like 30? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, <laughs> go to bed, old man. <laughs> the second part of my point is that once the PSP did start to get uh, reiterated upon and drop in price a little bit, you did have those – Teenage boys uh, come in droves to Monster Hunter and all the other that's hunting true. action type games. And that's what kept it going in Japan, essentially. But like you said about uh, Sony's initial focus, or maybe their to- their total focus was on was on the, the gamer demographic, however you want to define uh-huh. that. I think Nintendo learned that um, that uh, you can uh, you can appeal to a much broader demographic and yeah. reap the profits. Like, like uh, Brain Training, I think, was that the game that really turned things around, made the DS like a family device? Much, yeah. Nintendogs, Brain Training, yeah. Animal Crossing, Mario Kart DS. There were, it was it was systematic. I feel yeah. like I mean it wasn't just brain training, but I feel that was like critical mass. It's the thing you could put on daytime TV and show it was all like that app type stuff for the DS. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which Sony barely even tried in their third parties as well. It's like they had to play catch up for sure. Like what was the closest thing on PSP to brain training? It was like PQ, which is a bunch of stupid. <laughs> oh, brain I remember teasing. that. Yeah. Oh God. And then other lifestyle stuff like Talkman. Yeah, Talkman. Do, do you remember Hot Pixel? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just like Atari's answer to WarioWare. Right. I thought that was yeah. work time fun. No, that was Sony's that. answer. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so much. So people, but, yeah, they thought WarioWare was the one to beat. No. But I guess it is important to talk about. I mean, we, we brought up a few times, but the DS, I, I think, was viewed as this, like, ridiculous joke that just was going to fail. And, like, it was even clear that maybe Nintendo wasn't too confident about it because, yeah. like, again, the third pillar idea. But uh, in, in only a few years, it would totally trounce the PSP. And, I mean, the PSP is not a failure by any means. Like, any no. company would cut off their right arm to sell 80 million portable units in 2015. True. Yeah. yeah. But uh, still, the Nintendo DS, there was no stopping it. Please listen to our DS episode for more on that. But, yeah, it was funny. Like, um, Jeremy, like, what – I know you were an early supporter of the DS, especially at your at your time at One Up. Like, what was the the opinion? And uh, were you in the press around the? Yeah, you were in the press too, uh, Michael, when the DS was released, right? Uh, I believe so. Okay, yeah. maybe both of you can talk about that. Like, what did people think about the DS at the time? I, I need I need quotes. I need names. <laughs> so I think I mentioned this in the DS episode, but um, I ended up just taking the the One Up DS home with me at Thanksgiving and Christmas. With all the games, because no one else cared. No one, no one wanted anything to do with it. Um, and I remember at the PSP launch in Japan, December two thousand four. Um, you know, DS had been out for like a month, and uh, there's a photograph that I think Mark McDonald posted to his blog, where there's yeah. like three PSPs. Um, there's like a round table. There's three PSPs playing Luminous or something. Yeah, was, I'll enjoy Ridge Racer. Yeah. Oh, okay, Ridge Racer. <laughs> and then there's a, a third, or there's a DS sitting by itself where someone has written and picked a chat like, doesn't anyone want to play with me? And that was passed around a lot. Yeah, it was yeah. like, ah, yeah, killer blow. Ah, take that Nintendo DS, you're doomed. Well, that was that was generally the 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 attitude, the perception. Uh-huh. And, uh, Chris, I'm sorry, not Christian, Michael. I know. Uh, you're talking <laughs> about Christian. Confused, uh, yeah. Yes, sorry. Uh, oh, I, I remember my first uh, experience with the DS was at the little uh, behind-closed-doors thing in Nintendo's booth at E3. And they were just oh, yeah. showing off pack picks. Yeah, and there wasn't yeah. a stylus or anything. Oh, boy, pack picks. I thought that was amazing. Like, oh. Oh, I just draw a thing on screen and it, it, it eats the ghost. And it took forever to come out, as I remember. It was like a couple of years. And when the DS launched, I, the the launch lineup was like everybody was like, 
what is this exactly? Like, yeah. feel the magic XXXY? Yeah. Should I, is that worth playing? I don't know. That was way too weird for a launch game. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, Super Mario 64, again, was fantastic, but except for the controls, and then that, that but then became people the just, thing that, like, Yeah, people just scream, rehash, are, rehash. Yeah. yeah. But you could play then, as Yoshi this time, right? <laughs> yes, Mario. yes, you could. And Everybody. Yeah, Yoshi yeah. and Mario, that, that made a difference. <laughs> um but then Metroid Prime Hunters also, like, we just got the demo. And, again, it was, like, a yeah. while before the game itself Oh, came man, out. yeah, it was way too long. But then everybody was complaining about, like, these controls are really weird for a first-person game. And, like, just, yeah, guiding the gun with the, the touchscreen uh, while at the same time just moving with the analog or the uh, D-pad. Yeah. And I like that, L. though. And then that yeah. was evolved with uh, FPS games on Wii. Which I think is a really great way to play them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, it was, yeah, that's true. but like, no one took DS advantage of that DSP, really. Yeah. Really, no FPS. But games it, it took <laughs> it took getting used to. Yeah. And uh, whereas on PSP, it was just like face buttons to look around. Yeah. Like, hey, I guess this is an acceptable way to play coded arms. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Is there any acceptable way? Uh, no. uh, Jeremy, so was there any like humble pie eaten, or did all those people leave one up after the after the <laughs> PSP? Out of disgrace, I could say no. <laughs> uh, no, like, I mean, what about the PSP? Oh, I never said. Everyone anything. just kind of like forgot that they ever said. They just that. kicked yeah. it under the rug. Yeah, I mean. Portable games never really became cool or hip, so I continued to write about them, and everyone else continued to ignore them. And the PSP really didn't change all that much. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was just like this kind of weird, isolated incident of bluster and bravado that didn't turn out to be the case, and life went on. Mm -hmm. So, whatever. Okay. We've all, 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 the, all the scars have healed, I assume. Right. So. Until the reveal of the PSV. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to take a brief break, come back and talk about some actual games. So we're back, and uh, before I talk about actual games for the system that I feel are the best on the PSP, I did want to talk about a few other things related to uh, the PSP and its history. Um, so we talked about piracy, and I think that was a, a major problem for the PSP right out of the gate, and also for the DS. The issue was uh, the PSP could not withstand piracy because it did not have the install base of the DS. And I got some numbers. Apparently... Um, some software organization, and I'm sure they bloated these numbers a little bit, but uh, a, a game like Final Fantasy Dissidia, which was the Final Fantasy fighting game, was downloaded illegally over 5 million times. So wow. that is not necessarily money, uh, potential money, because you can make the argument like if someone's pirating something, they're probably not going to buy it. But it's still yeah. a lot of games being played for free. And the yeah. system, I think people would just buy it like how people sometimes buy a PC and then pirate everything. They would just buy a PSP and be like, oh, all the games are free because I can just go online. And because the max uh, UMD size is only 1.8 gigabytes, it's not too hard to download like a, like a torrent of like a bunch of games, you know. Right. So, yeah, like that really hurt the PSP. Or if you're in a country like Singapore where you can walk into some hole-in-the-wall store in a mall. And oh, it's for like, sure. Oh, it's, you know, it's mm -hmm. pre-hacked for you. Here. Here's all the games. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah I, I, I had a friend who bought an Xbox like that. Just like here's an Xbox loaded right. with a ton of games and like all the emulators. <laughs> so have fun. 
Uh, and then there was some scandal with the PSP. We have the uh, the first like uh, viral marketing scandal. The all I want for Christmas is a, is a PSP. Oh. Which uh-huh. boy, how how naive were we? Like a commercial oh. lied to me. Next thing you tell me, reality <laughs> shows aren't real. Oh, but how about that? Well, because um, it, it was shopped around. It's like it's a viral video. Right. It was presented as if yeah. it wasn't. But mm-hmm. yeah, can you explain what that was, Michael? And I'll edit some audio in to uh, let people know. Yeah, it was a guy, this this white guy doing like the worst rap song you ever heard about how he wants. <laughs> Wants his mom and dad to buy him a PSP. He's like 30, right? He's like, yeah, he's like roughly 30. (laughs) Talking about how his parents need to buy it. And uh, he's wearing, he's like in a loft with like a ladder. It looks really unfinished. Uh, Wearing this Santa hat that is like a giant spring with a pom-pom on top. I love the big screen. So fresh and so clean. It's all in my dreams. It makes me want to scream. PSP. PSP, 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 Game so crazy, they totally amaze me. Gotta ask my mom for one. For Shizzy, PSP, PSP, PSP. All I want for Christmas is my PSP. Wanna play when I'm walking down the street. All I want for Christmas is my PSP. Come on, mom and dad, get one for me. God. You kind of have to see it to understand what I'm talking about. There, there were some really bizarre ads. Like I remember like these weirdly animated ads with like squirrels talking about like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The jive squirrels. Yeah. What, what, were, they, what, were, they, what were they screaming about in those ads? It Just was... how cool it was to have a PSP. Yeah. Boy. yeah well, it, was, it was always like they draw some weird metaphor like yeah. oh, now there's cheese you can eat on the go. And like PSP, yeah. it's cheese you can eat on the go. Yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't almost like PSP, it's better than nuts because the squirrels were talking about their nuts or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was it was ridiculous. There was also uh, where to keep your girlfriend's white bits. What? <laughs> it was a it was a UK ad. Um, oh yeah, the I idea got it. was that you would keep photos of like your your girlfriend naked on your PSP to look at them. Oh Jesus Christ! God. Wow. I, I, I think I think the verbiage was your girlfriend's white bits here. Wow. Jeez. Oh man, I didn't know about this. The one the one ad that I uh, that I I think we might have all seen it. It's when the PSP launched in the Netherlands, and I think like European ads are a lot more aggressive and like uh, potentially right. offensive. But it was like the white PSP is here, and it's like it's a photo of like a white model grabbing a black model's jaw and like dominating yeah. over her. Like there's maybe a little bit of something going on in that picture, guys. Uh, you know, <laughs> the land of Sinterklaas is going to be. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Shit like that. His name is uh, Black Peter. Correct? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Please don't look that up. <sighs> um, yeah. So like there were a few scandals associated with it, like that, and um, let's talk about some good stuff though like I think the PSP uh, got a second wind and uh, really took off in Japan at least with the Monster Hunter phenomenon and um, it took a few years but it actually the third Monster Hunter game was the the first uh, Monster Hunter to be on the PSP it felt like a fluke to me I don't know like if Monster Hunter was ever popular on the PS2 I know it wasn't here but well the Monster Hunter PSP games are kind of spinoffs so they're not like the first yeah. one was called like Monster Hunter Freedom, I think. Yes. Yeah, Monster yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, you're right. I'd complete Monster Hunter did come out in the US. Yeah, and you use like the analog sticks to swing your uh, weapons around and stuff uh, like that. Yeah, like Monster Hunter really was weird. always there, day and date in America, but yeah, no one, no one cared. Yeah, mm-hmm. not until like last year, I think. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, and I mean that basically spawned a local multiplayer phenomenon that bled into like everything. So like, even franchises that were like well established like by then, by like Metal Gear and Dragon Quest, they were also pulling in these Monster Hunter features and it was no coincidence that like a Dragon Quest game had a four-player multiplayer function in the wake of Monster Hunter. I mean... 
that's not an accident and anyway. Walker. And Peace Walker too. Yeah, mm-hmm. like everything was suddenly like a local multiplayer loot focus. But the main problem was like these games were designed for a Japanese like – landscape setting rather and they would never add Wi-Fi you know multiplayer when they brought these games over so like Peace Walker I wanted to uh, play it online but you had to use like ad hoc party and find people who were like playing it was such a weird setup like have your PSP talk to your PS3 which is faking a a local connection but it's it's so so bad it was a clever solution but yeah not practical for most people (laughs) yeah and I'm sure there's still like an ad hoc party room like existing with one guy like I gotta fight this robot have one after this episode yeah really (laughs) look for the retronauts ad hoc party room Uh, and I think, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your point. Oh, no. It, it was a new, t- it was a new, a new oh. idea. So well, I was, was going to say, in general, though, despite all that hun- Monster Hunter type stuff, the library of the PSP was incredibly diverse. It was, even, yeah. Even, like after a year, basically, because you had a lot of stuff that was sort of happening on PS2. You'd have a lot of crazy RPGs or some other sort of generally experimental games and also lots of uh, uh, relevant to the show retro compilations. For sure, yeah. Like a ton of them. Uh Although in some ways I would almost say that the library is closer to like the Saturn than the PS2 hmm. in a way, just in, in terms of the breadth, but also like the nature of the games themselves within their genres. It also had a number of Saturn ports. Which, yes. Well, that too, for but, sure. Yeah. <laughs> which you didn't really see anywhere else. No, yeah. yeah. Princess Crown. No, I, d- yeah. I did write down like this is the last time that weird crap got a boxed release. Like this yeah. is the last era for weird things to just sit on a shelf and be ignored, but yeah. I would also, still appreciate them. Like the it's the only other like a quote unquote home system to get the Power Stone series. Oh right, yeah, oh, yeah. It's I forgot crazy. about that. Yeah, they did crazy stuff on this system. And I mean, it was a very varied system, like you were saying, Ray. There's like first person, sorry, first person shooters, fighting games, uh, roguelikes, RPGs. Uh, speaking of RPGs, this this system is like a Japanese RPG monster. Uh, because of Monster Hunter, people were buying this thing. So it's like you like Monster Hunter. Here's a ton more RPGs. A lot of which yeah. we didn't get because a lot of them came it's out really, in the latter days of the PSP. It's really where it best uh, competed with the DS. Yeah. It was in RPGs. And, uh, I mean, we're still seeing RPGs to get today, like uh, Trails in the Sky uh, second chapter, I mm-hmm. believe. That yeah. came out in October for the PSP. Not just for the PSP, but you can play it on Vita and PC <laughs> and stuff. But still, there's still RPGs being released 10 years after the system launched. Jeremy, I'm sorry. Summon Night 5, still on its way. Oh, that's right. Oh, man, uh, is that P- that's that's a UMD too, right? Right. I mean, only Victor uh, Ireland can do this. <laughs> it's the Magic Knight Ray Earth of PSP. Oh, God. See, Saturn. Saturn. <laughs> yeah. He's oh, got to get in. He's got to get in, like, to be the last guy on everything. Yeah. Didn't didn't Victor Island allude to the fact that he's the only one left with like a UMD fab in his house or something? <laughs> Could be. He's like uh, I think, stamping I think he's them also looking at Summon Knight or not Summon Knight, um, Class of Heroes three. Yeah, for sure. They're doing that. Yeah. So we could be 2017 still getting PSP <laughs> yeah. packaged games. Yeah. I feel like like uh, Vic Ireland like retrofitted a uh, like a button maker to like make UMDs. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, um, that'd be awesome. And there yeah. were so many weird PSP <laughs> games that I remember like trying to get people interested in at Games Radar and having zero success. Like uh, Guramin. Mm, you guys yeah. ever play that? Like, I hear nothing but good things about it. Yeah, I really want to try it. It's on like Steam it now. Yeah. So if you've got a PC, you can play it. Oh, cool. Um, uh, Jeremy, what was, your, what was your take on that? You didn't like it? I, I thought it was okay, but okay. it didn't really appeal to me. That was that was a Falcom game, right? It was. Yeah. Okay. It was very atypical Falcom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, there was another PSP game that came out earlier this year, Falcom's Brandish: The Dark Revenant. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Which I really like. Wasn't that like a 2011 PSP release in Japan or something? Might have been like that? 2010. Right. Yikes. Okay. Good lord. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Michael. Were there any other examples? <laughs> yeah. That you Pursuit had? Force. Oh, Pursuit Force. Did, yeah. Did you guys ever play that? I got a free copy when PSN shut down yeah. like four years uh, ago, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah. It's like this bizarre game, like. Technically, I guess you could say it's a racing game, but you're a police officer 
who jumps between cars right. and your whole thing is that you're supposed to jump into the cars of criminals, uh, kill them, kick them out, whatever, and use their cars to continue ch- uh, chasing yeah. down all their I mean, friends. that has all the hall- hallmarks of like an iPhone game today. Yeah, yeah it kind of sure. does, actually. <laughs> it's weird. We never saw that idea again. I think like one of the later... It got one sequel, but then oh, it disappeared forever. Okay. And it was, like, it was PSP sequel too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. well... Wow, how weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some weird omissions, though. I think the, like Sony of America had a policy that they would not let uh, PS1 ports, uh, box PS1 ports over if there was no changed content. Is that true, Jeremy? I remember something like that. Something along those lines. Because uh, we missed the Suikoden collection, uh, Mega Man Legends, although there's more going on with that, and Breath of Fire 3. They did bring over a really, really bad Parappa port, which I talked about in the Parappa episode. It's like, it, it just is broken. I mean, I think there's extra content, but good mm. luck playing it, because it's not fun anyway. I, I, I don't know. I didn't mind it so much. I think uh, play, playing the original disc on PS3 is a little bit more broken. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. I, I think I might have a digital download or something like uh, that. Uh, Loco Roco. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is like, you know, a, a Nick Jr. Com- cartoon come to life. Yeah. That is true. That was, that was like some of the most beautiful like 2D animation yeah. ever. It was great. And you're probably going to hear a lot of Loco Roco music. If you like <laughs> children's choirs singing a fake language and yeah. like kazoos and stuff, you'll like yeah. Loco Roco. And also Patapon was a yeah. huge... Uh, um, kind of a cousin. I wouldn't say it was, it was a huge thing, but they made three games. So they yeah. were trying to start... I, New brands. I could never get into it. I remember, like, you know, I won up, like, one of the few PSP games that people all was really liking, but I could not get into it at all. Yeah. I do not get it still. I had trouble getting into it because it was terrible to play on planes because I oh, couldn't yeah. hear anything. So, uh, <laughs> all rhythm-based <laughs> strategy mm-hmm. stuff. It, it looks cool, and I have a copy of the first one. I do want to play it. and um, But I feel like uh, what... The problem with the PSP, one of the problems was what we saw with the Vita, where it was like, we're going to give you the console game on your PSP, even if you didn't want that, right. even if it's inappropriate. So, like, I was like, was there a kill zone for PSP? There, of course there is. I looked yes. it up. It's like, of course, and no one played it. Like, there, there was a kill but zone for Vita. It was Vita, like a top-down no shooter. Okay, wow. I, it wasn't a first-person shooter then. The one for Vita was not bad, but again, It was okay, it. yeah. yeah. I, I reviewed right. it, but I was like, it's it does what it does, but no one wants this. And, like, yeah. so, yeah, that was another problem. Like, here's your Jack and Daxter. Here's your this. Here's your that. I will say, like, um, here's your Metal Gear. When Metal Gear Peace Walker came out, it was a really good Metal Gear game. But by that point, it was too late. Like, everything else felt like a reduction. Um, Did you guys, I mean, did you guys, were you guys keeping note of this? Like, oh, why is there, like, I I didn't want this on my PSP. I want a game that's, like, appropriate for the PSP. Well, I like the games that were made for PSP from some of the franchises you mentioned, like uh, Daxter was really good, mm-hmm. where it's just Daxter running around in tunnels, squashing bugs. That's right, yeah. And yeah. I believe there was a there was like a secret agent clank or something like right. that. There like, was. All I the never, sidekicks got their own games. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ratchet and Clank's Size Matters, which just cemented like all those games, are, their subtitles are dick jokes. They eventually mm-hmm. ran out of dick jokes. Eventually. Yeah. How? It took a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I, I remember when that came to PS2, like I played it again there and it's like, this is terrible. It loses everything that made it charming. That was weird. Like when the PSP was dying, we did see like the phenomenon of um, PSP games getting PS2 ports, like mm-hmm. Liberty City Stories yep. and oh, Vice yeah. City Stories. That was bizarre too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a quote uh, on the back of the box of Vice City Stories. So I was very proud of that. <laughs> is it effusive? Is it, pra- is it probably? I, I assume it's praise. It's yeah, like it's, Michael Parr says, this game sucks. I, it's <laughs> something nice I said about the PSP version. Uh, I see. Got yeah. it. 
So um, there's oh, – oh, go ahead. And as long as I'm on this show, uh, my summer vacation series, best games in that series on PSP. That's right. It started <laughs> on PS1 though, right? Yes. Okay. Which 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 one is the best they one? They have – there's there's uh, enhanced ports of 1 and 2 and then the new one, 4, are in PSP. PSP. I did uh, we, want to um, – We barely even mentioned Square Enix. They yeah. were like the gods of oh, the yeah. PSP. Well, uh, I'm going to talk about the top 10 games for the PSP. Okay. We're going to talk a lot about Square Enix because there are even, like even, five of those even entries. Even sort of their the, the, the lesser stuff was really cool. Um, but that's okay. We can talk about that. Oh, of course. But I did want to ask you, Jeremy. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a sensitive subject. It's been 10 years. I think the healing has, has happened. Like, <laughs> I know. You, you know what I'm going to ask you about, right? <laughs> I know. Ultimate Ghosts oh, and Goblins, oh. a.k.a. I wrote The Downfall of Jeremy Parrish. I love that the game. Downfall. Can you imagine that game a— game is trash. Man. Okay, thank you. Uh, can you imagine, like— <laughs> People it, have come around to my way of thinking on this game. I will say this. I, 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 is, I liked it better than you did originally. I wouldn't say it was great, but the Kai version that they released later, it does fix a lot because they turned it into more of a regular arcade game. Okay, I haven't played that yet. So, yeah. Maybe yeah. you can explain what we're talking about, Jeremy. I mean, this is, like, silly because of the outrage it generated. I just want you yes, to yeah. talk about it because I think I find it so funny People that there could be so angry about, angry about a PSP <laughs> Ghost and Goblins reboot, of all things. Yeah, so, okay, Ghost and Goblins vanished for, like, 10 years, came back as a PSP game. Cool. Ultimate Ghost and Goblins. Um, had a really great concept art, and the gameplay was very kind of classic Ghost and Goblins, which is to say kind of um, unbalanced, like really hard, and sometimes hard because of like random things you couldn't control. Okay, that's part of the Ghost and Goblins legacy. But it just like, I don't know. I, I played it, and I was looking forward to it, and I didn't like it. And then, um, you know, this was during the one-up era where there were all the Ziff Davis magazines. So because I was the only person who gave a crap about portable games, like every magazine editor came to me and was like, hey, can you also review it for us? <laughs> and I was like, okay, sure, what a time whatever. to be alive. I mean, I, that, that, that's, it's efficient. I play it once. You get four reviews. I get some freelance cash. Fine, whatever. Um, but, you know, as I played it, I, I quickly regretted it. I was like, I'm – like, I'm not enjoying this game at all. I, I actually, like, it makes me really angry and not in a, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I got beaten by this game. Now I want to try again. Just, like, I don't like this. Um, so I kind of got stuck reviewing a game multiple times. And it was, it was, it was pretty, um, like, I, I feel like the situation that happened probably shouldn't have happened. Like, there should have been some safeguards at Ziff Davis to say, hey, maybe one person shouldn't review the same game in multiple <laughs> publications. But it was a portable kind of mm-hmm. niche game, so no one cared about it yeah. to review it. So I was commenting just kind of, you know, I, I would blog about stuff that I was playing, and I commented on my personal blog, like, I'm not enjoying this game, but I need to save that for review. And for some reason, someone took that to be, like, the review. me... No, not the review, no. but me like plotting to single-handedly destroy this game <laughs> by insinuating myself into every Ziff Davis publication. Uh-huh. Like they thought I had some kind of strange vendetta against this game. <laughs> You're like and sneaking was, copy into was the using print. Using my games journalist power to uh, to you know s- to personally. Uh, destroy the PSP and Capcom and Ghost and Goblins and PSP fans. You walked into John Davison's office and were like, nailed it, I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to eat those Pumas. Thank God we have ethics in games journalism now. I, right. I, can, I so, can see Jeremy sneaking into the printers. Here, run this on the last so page. So <laughs> some dude who's a mod at uh, NeoGAF posted this this thread. I've never read the thread because the I looked at the... thread still exists, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. I've looked at the title. I looked at the title and was like, I don't want to read this. Uh-huh. And uh, so I've never read the thread, but I'm sure it was. it was like... A dozen pages long, just people talking about 
I'm assuming how I'm a horrible monster. I um, assume a lot of those people have grown up now. I don't know. <laughs> but in any case, like, I might have been a bit hard on the game because, I, you know, like, it, it kind of heaped up on me and uh, I, I got really frustrated with it. At the same time, also, my grandfather had just died. So I was kind of in a, a pretty sour place anyway. Um, so, like, I just, you know, wasn't in a mood to be kind to a game that I felt was really regressive in design. And I also didn't think the game looked very good. I thought the, like, mm. people were talking about how beautiful it was, but I thought the graphics were just gross. Like, they are yeah. not attractive. So I think I think what happened was a lot of people sort of um, kind of looked to this game as sort of the great hope of the PSP. Like, this is it. This is proof that we can have a great classic game in a meaningful series, and this is going to save the PSP, which already at that point was starting to kind of fall behind the DS, which never should have, you know, like according to the, the conventional wisdom of everyone, should never have done as well as it did against the PSP. So there was a lot happening with this review. And uh, <laughs> hmm. so it kind of became infamous. I still see people who like 10 years later are like, almost 10 years later are like, I can't trust that Jerry Parrish. He he said stupid <laughs> things about Ghost and Go- Ultimate Ghost God. and Goblins. I'm just like... It's like it's okay. I can say I, I've never take a deep breath. I've it's always fine. it's res- a video game. I've always respected that series, but I've never enjoyed playing it. Like it's too hard for me. Like I, in, in a mean way, I don't yeah. like. I don't like how mean it is. Well, I can totally understand that. I mean, yeah, you have these games that are sort of designed to be very tricky in a certain way, sort of like Battletoads as well. I think. But can still be respectable on some level, just in a design sense, I think. But still, some people don't like that because they're actually playing it and they don't like being that frustrated all the time. Yeah. But yeah. I think to encapsulate, I think, what was wrong with Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins was they just slowed it down too much. Like even the original games were speedy enough to a fact that, you know, even if you had to retry it, you could get sort of to where you were going. But Ultimate added a bunch of collectible stuff and just made it into more of an action adventure instead of a pure action game. And that really, I, you know, not to speak for Jeremy at all, but I think that really encapsulated what was wrong with it. Yeah, mm, that, that's a good, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about the speed of it, but yeah. I, I, I just felt like you had to go hunting around for these things if you really wanted yeah, to like, was, get hundred percent. Yeah, it was kind of like bullshit. you know, if you try to approach Sonic the Hedgehog as an exploration game, <laughs> right? That's not how it's designed. <laughs> like, oh, I can't yeah. go back anymore, and you, you can't play it like that because the mechanics aren't right. <laughs> yeah. This is the same thing, it's except the they Sonic did City try to make it explore, yeah. you know, explore, exploration based. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I also had a problem just with. Um, kind of like how much the randomness of enemy spawning and things like that, mm-hmm. like things outside of your control would would complicate the situation for you. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't dislike <laughs> the Ghost and Goblin series. No. I've, I've never beaten any of the the standard platformers. Um, oh, except Ultimate Ghost and Goblins. I've, I've put myself yeah. through the <laughs> ringer for that one. But, you know, the older games, I've never beaten them, but they're fun to play because it's just like a challenge. How, how much abuse can you take? Yeah. And how far can you get despite the fact that the game is stacked against you? And I love watching, you know, speed runs of Ghost and Goblins because I'm just like, how mm-hmm. how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, they, and they it's still amazing. die. <laughs> yeah. And I love, the, I love the Gargoyles Quest, Demon's Crest spinoffs. Those are fantastic yeah. games. Um, but I just felt like, yeah, Ultimate Ghost and Goblins was – it made a lot of design mistakes that I would expect a game from 2006 not to make. It just felt very regressive and kind of ill-fitting. So yeah. – I just don't think it's a good game, and unfortunately, my voice on that became very amplified. There, there should have been some other opinions on, on Zip Davis's publications saying, 
you know, either this game is bad or this game is not bad, but just different voices. Anyway, that didn't happen. So it was uh, it was kind of a good learning experience uh, as if Davis learned, hey, maybe we shouldn't have one person review a single game in multiple publications. Like maybe two publications is okay, but four, no. Yeah. But like so. I said, they were later released a version in Japan only, of course, <clears throat> called uh, Kai, the Kai version. And uh, they took out – they have a mode where they took out all that adventure collecting crap and just made it more like the other arcade games where it just goes in a linear fashion. You don't have to worry about it too much, although you do have to beat it twice still. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what people liked about the series, and so that's the one I would recommend. Well, I'm glad the story has finally been committed to audio. <laughs> now another true story in case in case there's a lawsuit coming up we need to be aware of. I, I assume Capcom never contacted you, Jeremy, and was like, can you no. leave this game alone, please, <laughs> sir? No, most public publishers are – cool about people yeah. being critical of their games. Not all, but, Except but the most. rhymes with mock schmar. It's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to name any I names. know, but I mean... Um, on, on the more positive note, like Capcom did release a lot of good stuff on PSP. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I said, the Power Stone stuff, the Mega Man uh, remakes... Yeah, Mega um, Man Powered Up was yeah. weird. And, and even the compilation. I had those, really those games break my heart. They're not. There's so much promise. They're yeah. they're not perfect, but they're not replacements for anything. But no, yeah. but but especially Maverick Hunter X was. They were really good and very well designed, and they came out at a really bad time yeah. at a bad place in the PSP's life and bombed. And it's a shame because I really would have liked to have seen, especially with Maverick Hunter, like. They were clearly retelling the story and changing a lot of plot events. Like, that was interesting to me. I wanted to see where they would go with that, but those never got sequels. Yeah. That actually uh, figures into my list of my top 10 PSP games. Ah. And I reached out to people on Twitter last night just asking around because I needed to fill some gaps in what I feel is a pretty solid list. It might be a little RPG heavy, but then again, the PSP was a pretty good system for RPGs. So I just want to go through mine and uh, talk a little bit about them, and then you guys can throw in any I might have neglected. So I don't want to talk too much about this one because listen to our Metal Gear podcast, but Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker is a phenomenal game, one of my favorite games for the PSP. The... um, the PS3 HD port is the preferable way to play through it. I would yeah. not play the PSP version now that that thing exists, but it's still a fantastic game. Peace and Walker? I, Peace I Walker. played on Vita. Oh, Vita? Yeah, you can map the camera oh, to the right yeah. stick. It's okay. really good that cool. way. I also like it on a TV. I mean, it doesn't look that great, okay. but yeah. But you can play it on the Vita too. That's cool. And listen to the Metal Gear episode. It's it's basically the basis for Metal Gear Solid Five. So if you like right. what's going on in Metal Gear Solid Five, <laughs> this is like a, a slightly different take on Guess that. Guess what? Here's Metal Gear Solid Five all over again. A brand new Metal Gear game for you, even though there's no more being made. And you fight fun, yeah. fun robots. I, in I, it. I loved seeing the Twitter reactions like Peace War. I mean, no, excuse me, Phantom Pain when it first came out, yeah. which really <laughs> lit a fire under my superiority complex. Oh, me too. It was people laughing and making gifts about Fultoning and shit, and I was like, I did that like years Where ago, man. Five years ago, <laughs> I was Fultoning with the best doing of them. that in portable ops. Yeah, uh, come on. Oh, that's right. You had to drag people back Wait, then. Yeah, you didn't have. Did yeah. you have the Fulton? No, no that was no. a Peace Walker okay. mention. Yeah, that portable ops. That was one of the biggest problems. Like, okay, drag him to the truck. It was that's a real right. drag. Right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm scared. Okay, so uh, next game I have on my list. I, I personally stopped playing because it got a little too repetitive for me. But I know Jeremy's a big fan, but and I still think it's good. It's Crisis Core, uh, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Jeremy, what did you like about this game? Um, I know you're a big well, okay, fan. Well, okay, yeah. So that was in a, a period where I was just like, shut up about Final Fantasy VII. I'm sick of hearing it's about how It's the only good, it um, what was this project called? The something the, of... The compilation of Final yeah, Fantasy The only VII. salvageable 
thing for it, was. it right? Yeah. Um, so Crisis Core should not have been good, but it was because even though it kind of like retold a lot of Final Fantasy VII and like did all this stupid prologue stuff that makes all the mistakes of prologues by telling you about things you don't need to see, like Yuffie shows up in the first mission. I, I don't. Need, I don't need that. Um, but. It, it you know it changed the focus to Zach uh, Zach Fair um, the guy who basically cloud strife patterned his entire existence after once he had a psychotic break um, and steals his identity essentially yeah. yeah but but Zach like they do a great job of writing Zach and make him making him like a, a really likable character who has a really great story arc like he changes as a person a lot he's not just some throwaway character who you're just like, hey, it's this guy. He's going to go on some missions and then he dies. Like he he evolves and changes as a person. There's some kind of like dumb, you know, Tetsuya Nomura stuff. Gact as a major character <laughs> in the game. There's way too much Sephiroth. There's like a bunch of people who are just like Sephiroth. Of it's, course, like, yeah. That stuff is garbage. But but the, the core story, the, the story about Zack is actually really good. And Aerith has a great role in the story. And... Um, it really gets good in the final few hours. Like the final dungeon feels like for the first time, I wish the game had been more like this, but it, it really is like a place to explore and really stretch and let the game mechanics kind of come into their own. So it gets better the longer you play it. And then, of course, at the very finale, you know, there's only one way the story can end. But the way they handle yeah. <laughs> something you know is coming is so good. And it ties in this like weird game mechanic that was always kind of like, why is this here? And then at the very end, you're like, Oh, okay. It's a storytelling element, and it's just really well done. And when you end, it's uh, it's 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 surprisingly powerful. Hmm. So uh, I I really did not expect to like that game, and ended up coming away really impressed with it, really liking it. Yeah, they really should put that on the PSN store now that really everyone is crazy about Final Fantasy VII or again. I, I don't know. After FF15 is out, Tabata, Tabata will probably remake <laughs> it. Like, yeah. you know, Crisis Core HD. That's Gosh. that's my guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that happening. So uh, next on my list is uh, Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together, a fantastic remake of the Super Nintendo, Super Famicom game, rather. Um, I played it for like 100 hours. I think it's the best uh, tactics game. I like it better than Final Fantasy Tactics even. I feel like this is the next logical step in that kind of game. And the fact that we don't get Final Fantasy Tactics anymore is fine because this exists. It's like the logical next step. I'm sure you love it. Has anyone, anyone else played this besides me? I'm sure Jeremy did. I, I, the I one started. What's that? I haven't started it. Okay. Yeah. It's I a, thought you reviewed it, Jeremy. It's a pretty big investment. It's the one game that I gave a... Perfect score too on. It deserves ESP. it. Yeah, like a five out of five. Or the, ten out of ten. I don't want to go go a on. out of a. Plus, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, a, a out of a. Uh, the the greatest feature in this is what every tactics game should have: a rewind button. Like you can go back steps, mm. which is like that's something built into the game that you would be doing anyways. So after I played this game, I'm like, I want this in every game. I don't want to save and then like have to go to the title screen and then reload. Like I want that built into the game itself. So that was such a great move. Right, and it's optional. So if you feel like it makes the game too easy, you don't yeah. have to use it. And there's also the timeline rewind feature where you can jump back on the story's timeline because it does have those branching story paths. Uh, so if you want to experience alternate outcomes, different morality paths, uh, you can do that and you don't have to restart the game or go back to an old save. It's kind of progressive and your your meta progress is saved within yeah. the game even as you jump around within the timeline. So it really – it was a game designed to be challenging and deep and interesting but also not be a huge imposition on players. Like yeah. it's really considerate 
of players' time and energy, and I, I really appreciate that. The kindest thing I can say is, like I said, I spent 100 hours with it. I got one of the worst endings I've ever seen in a video game. Like, one of the most, like, <laughs> anti-climaxes. It's like, well, that's what it was all for. But I was still fine with it because I had so much fun with it the entire time. So another game I would recommend is Legend of, Tra- uh, Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky and the second chapter. These are just... Throwback RPGs that are really meaty and are really fun, and um, I feel like they're like the platonic ideal of like the, the PlayStation RPG. Like these games came out much later than that era, but they feel like a throwback to that kind of a 32-bit RPG. But these are much more, uh, much less cluttered, I think. So I'm a big fan of Legend of Heroes. You can play it on Steam too uh, if you want to. We also have uh, Persona 3 Portable, which I feel is the best version of that game. It cuts out a lot of the uh, annoyances that Persona 4 would get rid of, but this is the most playable version of that game. Uh, Luminous. Who could talk about Luminous? Like, what is it? Why do people love it? Like, is this, a, is this like a, is this a Mizuguchi yeah. thing? Okay. Yeah, I, I People are in love with that guy. I just never – I don't say I don't like him, but I never really – tried to understand him. So what is Luminous? It's 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 a nice puzzle game that really harnessed like what that multimedia sort of dream stood for on the PSP, which is that you have you're playing this puzzle game and you have like pre- pretty good music playing alongside it and then you're also like uh you know your progress in the game is dictating how the song plays out because hmm. you have this timeline going across the str- screen and if you clear blocks before that timeline uh, reaches the end of the screen then the next uh, passage or whatever part of the song will keep playing until it's all over and then transitions into the next level slash song. And uh, people like that because, you know, if you're into that sort of uh, not quite poppy, but it's electronic type music and uh, some of the song, like some of the song choices, the way they curate it is really uh, well done. Like the final level is the one everybody sort of likes if you can get to it and <clears throat> it's a really nice song and all that. Um and they just carried that theme along with the, the sequels and all that. Hmm. And I, th- I think they just it stood out as as a launch game because it had that really good audiovisual sense to it. Thanks to Mizuguchi. Yeah, the um, it, it's the the only PSP game that I think uh, had graphics that looked like the hardware. Like the hardware had this sort <laughs> yeah. of like mm, it is so sleek. pristine yeah. and shiny, glossy, yeah. beautiful. Uh, the the game's graphics looked like that too, except True. they were more colorful. You never really saw that on PSP for some reason, but that game captured the look and essence, just like everything that P- Sony wanted to sell the PSP as, and then no one else bothered to do anything like that. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I didn't play Luminous, but that sounds like a, a winning endorsement. Uh, I also recommend uh, Corpse Party, which is a f- really fun horror game uh, that is a remake of something made for, like, microcomputers in the mid-'90s. But it is a very low-tech game that, n- that nonetheless remains incredibly scary just by use of, like, text and audio. And it's always on sale for, like, 10 bucks. So try that out. It's, it's a lot of fun. And we just had a Castlevania episode, so I have to recommend Rondo of Blood, that version of it. Probably not the ideal version yeah, of Dracula it. Dracula X Chronicles. Dracula X, title. yeah. God, yeah. wait, Dracula X? Chronicles. Chronicles. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's that's uh, it comes with something tonight too, right? It does. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good package. Oh. Sorry, Michael. No, I was going to say it, it, that one doesn't come with the original 2D. It does. Yeah. It comes yeah it's unlockable your... if yeah, you can find okay. it. And right. that that runs okay. I forget what we said about it. Yeah, the emulation's not the best, mm. but it's it's tolerable. Okay. Play it on play it on Wii. That's the way to to play it. Yeah, yeah. I remember I, I played that a little bit and I didn't get nearly as into it as I thought I I wanted to. There's just something about the 3D graphics like that's not the best way to play that yeah. game and they kind of redesigned the levels a bit. It does kind of fall under that sickness of other 3D remakes of 2D yeah. games. Stuff that you'd also see on like XBL. Yeah, where <laughs> yeah, the 3D wasn't like, necessarily better. It just yeah. was like uh-huh. we have 3D now so we're going to use it. And it doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. 
Uh, so I also have on this list Riviera, The Promised Land, a really fun uh, forward-thinking RPG hmm. by Sting. And I, I think this is like their most accessible RPG. Usually when you see a sc- – <laughs> when you, whenever you see a, a screenshot of a Sting RPG, like the UI takes up maybe 80 percent. There's like all these meters and bars and numbers and like what does all this stuff mean? You're never – you won't like even – computer in the Matrix. It's just dripping down. <laughs> yeah, pretty it's much. Not, it's not an RPG though. It's a visual novel. That happens to play out with RPG battles. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. But I mean, I feel like it cuts out a lot of things like uh, grinding. It's like you're all, you're making choices through this very visual novel style format, where it's it's just shooting you towards the end. You know, I think it's like if you feel like you're a completionist and you feel like you have to do everything and it's making you hate games, play Riviera. I think that broke me out of my completionist mindset. Just yeah, like being I, um, forced through a game where you can't go back and fix things. I don't know if I'd recommend the PSP version of that, though. I like it better on GBA. Oh, really? Okay. I guess if you're really a hipster, you like it better on the original Wonderswan <laughs> version. But I only play the Wonderswan version. The, yeah. the black and white one. The, <laughs> <laughs> the um, I don't know. The PSP port just felt kind of cheap. Oh, really? The, okay. The, the upgrade... Upscaling. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't click for me the way the GBA. All right. Did. I, I'll admit I only played the GBA one, but it's also on PSP, so I really liked it on there. And uh, we mentioned Mega Man powered up. Those are my ten games. Is there anything I neglected? Any any of your favorites that I think that should be on this list? Like I, essential PSP games. I really enjoyed Dissidia. Okay. I, I put like almost seventy hours into that. How do you How do you do that? It <laughs> like what is it? Just you unlock things? Or are you doing experience? Like how does it work? There's a lot of unlocking of things. I mean, yeah, you can. You have pretty much all the characters available to you, and but but there's like a quest mode and you can go through like a, a map based progression type okay. thing which is to have so watch uh, Cecil and Golbez have a weird face off yeah I mean that, that, that kind of stuff is fun to me and so it, it, it was also just pulled off well as a Final Fantasy fighting game that is not just you know a typical Street Fighter type thing it's yeah. like an arena battle and uh, yeah uh, can't wait for the arcade version that'll probably come to PS4 oh that's right um, yeah yeah they are um, making that. Like I said, in my summer vacation games, if you like to read Japanese. And um, <laughs> like I said, also a lot of compilations. Like Namco Museum was really good on there. Uh, the Capcom Arcade uh, classic, classic Collections uh, are on there as well. Mm-hmm. Like everything. Like SNK and uh, Taito and Atari and Activision, I believe. And like, everybody put compilations on there. Not all of them are super great, but it just calls to that sort of crazy variety that – I think people saw, oh, yeah, we can put a bunch of these games in a portable sense, and that's kind of like that ups the novelty factor. Mm-hmm. You get all these games in a portable sense. And, again, that's kind of what I packed my PSP Go with. <laughs> Was that all the like, uh, Sega, retro stuff? Yeah, Sega Genesis collection as well. Hmm. Are we missing anything else, Michael? Did you have uh, any? Uh... Yeah, I really liked the, the God of War games that were on PSP. And I think Ready at Dawn, the studio that did those, uh, yeah. had, had kind of – just like built its reputation doing interquels. Like Daxter was an interquel <laughs> yeah. and then it went on and did uh, God of War. I forget what the first one was called, but then the sequel Chains was of something. Chains, Chains of Olympus. Olympus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that was really good. And then played uh, Ghost of Sparta, which I always want to call Goes to Sparta. <laughs> God of War Goes, goes to Sparta. Sparta. God of War Goes Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's a fun one. Um, and I, re- I remember thinking at the time, like, well, the, the second one is like way less impressive than the first one. You really should play, play Chains of Olympus, but you can pass on uh, Goes to Sparta. And then playing like the PS3 remasters and like uh, playing them back to back for the first time. Like I hadn't – I was relying on my memories of Chains of Olympus, which is always a fatal mistake when you're <laughs> doing a review. And then realizing like, oh, yeah, Chains of Olympus is really kind of chunky and slow and short. And then uh, Ghost of Sparta – like just refines the formula and looks amazing. And yeah, I was totally wrong. This is the one you should play. 
Jeremy, was there anything that I neglected or Michael or Ray maybe forgot about? Man, in terms I'm, of PSP I'm looking games? at a list of all the reviews we did of PSP games at One Up. <laughs> There's so many. There are so many. Lots yeah, of anime I faces. How <laughs> how rich that platform was. It's easy to kind yeah. of forget all the stuff that was on there. Yeah, I believe uh, 2006 was the biggest year with over 150 games for the Vita in America. Oh, Oh, sorry, uh, Ray. Jean d'Arc. Jean d'Arc, right. fantastic. And I should say, like, this (laughs) is, uh, I go to a lot of retro cons, and I'm not a collector. I I just buy stuff I want to play, and then I get rid of it. But the PSP is like a, uh, it's so, everything is so cheap for it right now. I don't know if it'll ever go up in value, because it's so easy to pirate. But, like, (laughs) most games will run you maybe $10 in a box. And if you just want the UMB, uh, sorry, just want the UMD, probably less than that. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of what I started doing like a month ago because like GameStop, their website will have like crazy three for one deals sort of for like their old games. So I get some PSP games that, you know, I wasn't totally expecting the disc to be in perfect condition, but they were fine. And then I would just get like blank cases. So I got stuff, some other oddities that I missed, like R-Type Command. And, uh, oh, like that's right, yeah. Bomberman Land and some other retro compilations I missed. So. I mostly buy the ones that will never be available digitally, like Metal Gear Acid and th- things yeah. like that. Excuse me. So like I said, there's lots of oddities, too, to, to catch up. Like, uh, also, uh, I liked uh, Innocent Life, which was the oh, yeah. other Harvest Moon spinoff before they decided to go ahead with uh, Rune Factory. That's right. That was the futuristic Harvest Moon, right? Yeah. Innocent yeah. Life. And how was that an RPG as well, like an RPG battle uh, thingy? Not so much. It was more in the traditional sense, but uh, it was also made by uh, Arte Piazza, hmm. makers of Opuna. And, All right. Uh, I own Opuna. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting I'm waiting for that to go up in value. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they also had uh, Sakimoto who did the music on that as well. So. All right. Yeah, awesome. So while Jeremy looks up a PSP game, hopefully well, for us, there's oh, a, there's you got a few one? that are worth mentioning. Oh, Half please. Minute Hero. Oh, right. Yeah, that was that almost was, on my list. Yeah, yeah, that was a really great uh, – I feel like it was kind of um, like thinking ahead to what mobile games would be like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's it's literally played in thirty second chunks, but but very clever and inventive. Um, I'm willing to forgive it the fact that it the the dialogue in English consists almost entirely of memes <laughs> and quips because no one had really done that at that point. So it and also a tired, you, thing. it goes by so fast you barely read it, right? Yeah, I also really liked the. Um, Holy Invasion of Privacy, Badman series, or yeah, I respect it. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, I like the idea. Um, I can't believe kind of the, like it's really like, hard to progress for me. Yeah, like a uh, bite-sized dungeon siege or something like that, or dungeon keeper. Yeah, I do. Like, I never played those games, but I do remember they had to change the name because of yes. Batman. Like, we see through your reference. Yeah, now it's <laughs> no heroes allowed. Yeah. Which is not a Batman reference, thank God. <laughs> so I did want to mention briefly, we have not very much time, but just There's briefly, the Vita, which was um, the successor to the PSP. Uh, I forget what it was called before that. I think it was known as the NGP yeah, before. Yeah, the Neo Geo Pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember uh, my first E3 was E3 2011, uh, being talked into uh, this by a coworker who I haven't talked to in like a long time. But um, Is that why? Yes, exactly. It's like, <laughs> let's stand in line for the PSP. No one was telling us what to do. There was no supervision. Jeremy, you were asleep with the Switch. I'm just kidding. I don't think you were my boss then but uh we 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 stood in line for like 90 minutes to play the vita at uh this after the sony press conference in 2011 and i I walked away from that like wow like i don't know about this i didn't feel good about it uh it it's it sucks because they fell into the same exact trappings yeah i I, like uh, please explain ray like what do you think was going on with the vita i think well we mentioned this before they kind of went too hard for the hardcore gamer types Mm. by by also sort of saying no it's so easy to develop for and look now we have two thumbsticks <laughs> but it's like it got no good FPS that would have taken advantage of those thumbsticks I thought except for like Duke Nukem 3D the Killzone edition uh, was okay yeah there, like was, there was uh, yeah the Killzone one was okay the uh, 
uh, resistance one was the one that All got right. panned, as I remember. Yeah. Oh, that's right. There, there, of course, there had to be a resistance one. There was a resistance for PSP too, right? Uh, there had to be. Yes, yes, there was. I thought so. Resistance uh, retribution, I want to so. say. Hmm, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it just kind of, in, in this country at least, it fell into the same sort of trap of like trying to be focused on those those young male demographics and like, well, it didn't really work out because, again, you have this expensive system that is competing against a relatively cheaper Nintendo system that is also probably going to have pretty good library just based on yeah Nintendo had to give away a lot of things for free to get people to uh, (laughs) want to buy their system (laughs) too but um like I did feel the one of the strangest things with the Vita was the fact that they were selling it based on this function that no one wanted that was interesting in theory but never felt right like I I, whenever I I think of the Vita's touchpad I think of that Simpsons gag where Ralph uh, sorry Ralph Wiggum is tied up to a pole swimming in a uh pool and it's it's in the sign behind him says tethered swimming he's like this doesn't feel right that's what I feel like whenever I have to do anything with the back like they they stopped they stopped you from having to do anything with that like a few years in like they they, realized it they tried to future proof it a little bit and then you know it was like the only good part of that was two sticks, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember playing games that never came out uh, or just tech demos, like something called Mr. Inkjet, where you were like stretching this <laughs> paper man with the back touchscreen. Oh, and it was very vulgar, yeah. like miming the back touchscreen motions. I think we used to freak each other out at one up by like doing like this to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you play Tearaway? I didn't. It had a cool effect where you uh, tapped the, the back. Uh, touch screen and your fingers would come up into the world on oh, screen. Oh, God. I think that was the one game designed just for that, like, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Like, what I remember most from the back touch screen is playing PS1 games and not realizing the back touch screen was, like, L2 and R2. I'm like, what, what is happening in this game? It's not it's not working right. But, yeah, and, like, I remember, like, a, um, a Ridge Racer demo. There was never a Ridge Racer for Vita, right? Yes. There was one? Yes. Okay. It was really bad. That's why you didn't hear it. Okay, no wonder. <laughs> the, the tech demo was me touching the back screen, like remixing the Ridge Racer song with my fingers. Okay, it was well, so weird. Like, I would have probably played that instead. But, no, you're totally right, Ray. Like, I feel like they were targeting the gamer market, the hardcore gamer market, and, and that's a mistake and, for a device like this. Yeah, and where we are now with the library, it's sort of like the PSP library except really watered down. It's like, yeah, we have some great Falcom games, but not as many as the PSP. Now we it's have all some of their highlights. I feel like was the PSP as porny yeah. in its di- in its dying years as the Vita is now uh, in Japan, but that stuff didn't make it over. Yeah, here that's true. Much. Like we're getting all of the things that we would not have gotten uh, five years ago yeah. for so, the PSP. Just to, in my point, not to sound like such a grumpy guy, yeah. I am really talking about like these commercial projects because there are a lot, lots of great indie games on Vita for sure. But I don't think it's what people are, would really expect or were looking for from the Vita necessarily. Yeah. So, so R.I.P. Vita. This is probably the last year you'll have games. I'm not even trying to <laughs> well, be a smartass. No. I just I feel like that's true, right? Wait, does it still have games? Uh, Severed is still Severed coming out. That's out. Okay. Then we don't know. And they can close the doors forever. But uh, I mean, I, I would like Tokyo Xanadu and um, right. Whatever Trails else, steel yeah. what you know, damn it. About. If Vic Ireland can release a PSP game in 2015, he can release a Vita game in 2020. So, <laughs> yes, he's going to be the guy that does it if it's anybody. <laughs> Let's go big 2040. Yes, come on, Bolt. <laughs> I mean, how old is he? Okay. Well. <laughs> Fingers crossed, everybody. Uh, let's wrap up uh, the show. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and Twitch, and YouTube, and other things as Retronauts. Subscribe to all of those. You'll find out what's happening with us, where we're going, what's coming out next, and uh, just news about us, because you like to hear about us, don't you? And remember to visit us at usgamer.net as well. Every Monday, there is a blog post that goes up along with these episodes. It'll tell you uh, who's in it, what it's about, why we decided to do it, and you know relevant links and stuff like that. So just please go to USGamer. Jeremy and I both write for that website, and we want you to go and visit it. 
And please write a review in the iTunes Music Store if you have a minute. That's all it takes. Just give us a few stars, preferably five, and let us know what you think of the show. Just doing that will increase our it will increase our visibility. That's a hard thing to say. And let people find out about the show if they don't know about it. And as always, we are brought to you by Patreon. So please go to uh, patreon.com slash retronauts to find out how you can help the show. For only a small donation, you can get episodes early. And for more, you can get physical rewards. And this show is fully funded. We could not do it without you guys. So please give if you can. It doesn't take much to help us out. So that's it for us. I'm Bob Servo on Twitter. You can also listen to my podcast, Talking Simpsons, a chronological exploration of the Simpsons on the Laser Time Podcast Network, and read some of my comedy writing at somethingawful.com. Uh, Ray, where can we find you? I'm RDBAAA on Twitter. I have a podcast called No More Whoppers, and I'll be moderating the Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins Peace Talks next <laughs> month in, in Luxembourg. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, as long as it's not Nuremberg. No, I was yeah. going to say that first. <laughs> May God have mercy on your soul. Right. <laughs> Jeremy. Oh, hi. You can find me on Twitter making dad jokes as GameSpite. And you can find me talking about Game Boy games and NES games at good, uh, Game Boy World and GoodNintentions.com, respectively. Hooray. And, oh, and also you as Gamer. Yeah, that's a good place too yes, Michael that's a very good place you can find me on Twitter occasionally sporadically tweeting incomprehensible stabs at jokes at wikiparas you can also listen to Vigigame Apocalypse which is a far less sophisticated and more foul mouthed show than this one but also about Vigigames uh, I should probably drop that pronunciation call them video games <laughs> uh, <laughs> you need to enunciate in here we do we do this is a very classy show <laughs> And you can also read my stuff at ubiblog.com occasionally. Awesome. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys next week with a brand new micro episode. Have a good one. PSP. It's like a nut you can play with outside.